This is the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, session number 74, Bob Burns on Hypnotic Moments. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey there, it's Jason Lynette, and welcome back to this program, and it was great seeing you. Well, at least I can say that and make some assumptions. It's August 2016 as we're releasing this program, and we just had the NGH convention out in Marlboro, Massachusetts, and I'm recording this just before heading out to the HypnoThoughts Live convention in Las Vegas, though this program is actually launching one day before which the wonders of batch productivity. This conversation I had with Bob was a few weeks ago, and of course we're releasing it as he's doing a training, probably right now as you're listening to this prior to the HypnoThoughts Live convention, though he's got a lot of cool stuff online, and definitely head over to worksmarthypnosis.com over on the show notes page for this Bob Burns episode. I'm actually gonna put up there a video of his swan process. If you have never seen this thing before, you, you got to see it. You're going to appreciate this conversation you're about to interact with, whether you've seen it or not. Though it's just one of those things, it's somewhere between a hypnotic process, a suggestibility test, hypnotic phenomenon, and just something else. Though I got to share, as I've used the actual process with my clients, it, it just never fails to get some kind of rather profound reaction of tapping into the unconscious mind. And that's exactly why I reached out to Bob for this program here today. You know, we get into the theme of how hypnosis is learned. And I think for the first time, we actually get into a nice conversation about consulting and seeking out mentors in hypnosis to track down people who have done the types of things that you want to do and replicate that success. I mean, similar to that, this is being produced after a course that I'm teaching is happening. I'm teaching Hypnotic Business Mastery two days prior to the HypnoThoughts Live convention. We've got a big group, a couple of dozen people attending that course, two dozen in fact. And um, similar to that though, it's kind of why I'm a big fan of distance learning on the Mike Mandel session that we had a few weeks back. The whole concept that the world has become a whole lot smaller. And you're going to hear in this interaction with Bob the fact that, yes, he's teaching, yes, he's traveling and training, though more importantly, he is a guy who is out there really doing the work and getting the results with clients in a very flexible format, a deal-with-what-emerges mindset. And I tell you to head over to hypnoticworkers.com. This is the full digital access to my hypnotherapy training library. Basically, for the last couple of years, I've had video cameras on at every class that I've been training, and we've now sifted through seven or eight hours, seven or eight terabytes, excuse me, of data to release several hundred hours of hypnosis training content, inductions, deepeners, and the really cool part is real session demonstrations. You know, it's interesting with my hypnosis trainings, my, my audience has shifted in recent years. It's less about people who are brand new to hypnosis, and instead, chances are it's people like you. You've already got training in hypnosis, and you're looking at that one last step to really bump up that efficacy, increase your success, though more importantly, 
increase your confidence that you can really do this stuff, which is that's specifically the the clientele, the specific character type of the people I reach out to to have on this program. So to learn more about my program, head over to hypnoticworkers.com. Though you're about to listen to session number four, this is a fantastic one, direct from across the pond over in Scotland. This is session number 74, Bob Burns on Hypnotic Moments. So you came into hypnosis really by way of some different streams. The the conversation often pops up that none of us really grew up with the mindset of, I want to be a hypnotist when I grow up. How was it that you first got involved in all of this? Well, I was a, I was a singer, Jason, with a band, a pretty good band called Cockney Haggis. That's a strange name for you. I love it. Uh, half of them were Cockneys from the east end of London and half were Scots. But they were all brilliant musicians, you know. And uh, we were playing in a gig in Aberdeen, a place called the Queen's Hotel. It was circa 1973. And um, the drummer, a guy called Ray Charleston, turned around to this woman whose name was Liz. She was the manager of this particular hotel. These were the days, Jason, where all the bands had to wear suits and collar and tie. You couldn't tell the difference whether I was a punk or a solicitor. As we were walking into this place, the guy turned around to this woman whose name was Liz and he says, Don't look into his eyes, love. He's an hypnotist. Don't look into his eyes, whatever you do. And so she turned around and looked into my eyes and I said, Take a nice deep breath and just <laughs> sleep. And I caught her head just before it hit the ground, you know. And it was much the amazement of the band who never knew I was a hypnotist. Uh, and of course, on top of that, neither did I. <laughs> but, uh, I. I continued with the arc, slow head nods, licking my lips and smiling and twinkling. And uh, I was terrified. I had no idea what happened. Really, really scary. And I didn't really know that much about hypnosis at that point either. So I left it for about a year and then I started looking at it. I was doing a, a, I started doing a, a degree. I did psychology through university. I became a social scientist. And, I pulled this stuff into it. And, of course, I was also, as you know, Jason, I think there's maybe a bit of your background there. I was a, I was a professional magician and mentalist. Yes. So the stuff worked perfectly with that, although most of my hypnosis at the time would have been uh, subliminal and even not really real. I was actually doing tricks at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. I still do to this day. You can edit that out. Don't <laughs> no, I'd share a previous guest on the program who you might actually know from the mentalism community, Alon New. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That uh, I forget if it was him or a friend of his who had the line about in the in the magic and mentalism community, this presentational hook of I'm doing this by way of hypnosis. And yet yeah. there, there's a sleight of hand thing behind it. And, and the phrase was, quote, don't NLP in my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. No, but it's something to be said about that. Back to that moment of there you were doing that harnessing that expectation that I think so many of us, even inside of a hypnotherapeutic conversation, are, by way of our pre-talk, maybe crushing some of the expectations that the client mm. might have of the process. Yes. So so let me ask you this then. So someone's in front of you for a change process. What are some of the strategies? What are some of the things you're bringing to the process to really harness that, that expectation? Well, you know, my work changed some time ago, just now, three, four years ago, with the swan. Mm-hmm. I could tell you about that. I could give you an answer on that. When I do my workshops, I talk about that. But I, I, I dumped it all ages ago. Now with it. I mean, I've just finished mentoring someone for two days, as you know, during our, our uh, writing to each other over the last two days to set this up. And I've been mentoring someone for a couple of days, and much to their surprise when they come in here. I'm talking right now from my, my therapy rooms, in fact. 
So they come in, they sit down, the door opens, somebody walks in, the person sits down. They've already called me and maybe told me they had, they've had they got anxiety walking into a room and getting nervous with people. So when they come in here and see me, they sit down and say, hi, you're Marjorie? Yes, she says, my name's Marjorie. You contacted me, it's about anxiety. And she says, yes. And I say, are you right-handed or left-handed, Marjorie? And whatever she says, I take her left hand, I put it in the shape of this one. And I say, you probably don't have a conscious problem. You would have fixed it by now. You seem quite intelligent, aren't you? Your aunt tells me you've got a subconscious problem, which probably means it's all inside you, but it's totally outside your control. But I'll be able to write, Marjorie will agree, like the 10,000 people before her. Then I go, and I just very quickly, within you know one, two minutes of being in, I'm now talking to the subconscious with no hypnosis. And the person sitting on my right, the mentoree, the already skilled hypnotherapist, who's already been doing this work for maybe 10, 15 years, they get a bit of a shock of their lives because I do no preamble. Yeah. I just go right into it. I, I love that. Couple, yeah, I did it a couple of years ago to see what, what I like doing things I think will be shit, you know. And and I say, okay, so let's see. So I like I like these questions. The first one is, what's the worst possible thing that could happen if I did this? I think that's a great question. If it's followed with a good logical reply, which says, and if that happened, could I handle it? Now, if the answer to the second question is yes, I normally have a go. <laughs> see what happens and, and very often I get a great result nothing bad happens it's fat, something wonderful does and you already know this stuff Jason but when the hand turns and waves towards them everything changes mm-hmm. you know everything changes and I don't need words I don't need I don't need anything I don't need to do anything at all I've already I'm already talking to the part we, we move on from there yeah I love that for the simple reason of it's a theme that's popped up and Mike Mandel was on this a couple of weeks ago and brought up the theme that we've mentioned here before about learning a classical structure to appreciate the places to then break the structure. Mm-hmm. That whether it's even one of these reality talent competition shows, you know, uh, whether it's American Idol, America's Got Talent, or all the iterations that are around the world, it's fascinating to hear that sometimes they give the singer the criticism that, quote, it was too perfect. And indeed, even yeah. inside of the magic and mentalism community, there's a whole yeah. thing of the too perfect theory. But it's that place of looking at, let's take the classical structure of the, the client coming into the session, and I would give it the description of most people's expectation is we have to sit and we have to talk about the problem, which I say this in the most positive way. My paraphrase of that is, let's now dig this hole even deeper before we even try to fill this thing in. Mm-hmm. Yet they're in the room with you, and I love the mindset of just, we do things differently here. And they're immediately into that experience. And for those that don't know the swan, I will put a link to one of the videos that are on uh, YouTube that that demo and talk about it. But give me just the basic description. If you had to sum up what the swan is, how would you describe that? Uh, Well, the good news is I can now talk more openly now than I did several years ago. Uh, I had to be careful. I I use this wording a lot when I'm in the therapy room. And my phrase is real or imagined. So if I use the term real or imagined to the client and the person I'm training, I can get away with anything. (laughs) (laughs) So so when the the swan first started, I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a clue. In fact, I was was quite scared because I am not a natural idiomotor responser or indeed hypnotee. Actually, that's not true. That was four years ago. I'm I'm now a very good hypnotee, but I'm still not good with idiomotor responses, although I swan rather well. There was people immediately listening to that and saying, this guy's an idiot, the swan is an IMR. And I get that. I understand. What, I think my problem, that's my problem. I understand what everyone's saying. I understand all the, <laughs> I understand all the arguments. 
So, but this one for me is uh, is is a it's, it's you know it's a, it's the shape of a swan. You talk to the hand, the hand. So in everyone's mind, yeah, the client's in the chair, and then the hand is like, lifted up in a position where it's kind of killed at the wrist. So it would look as if you'd imagine like the shadow figure, as if the hand is shaped mm-hmm. like the head of a swan. Yeah, yeah. But something for some reason happens there because I used to spend ages getting an idiomotor response with the swan. I get something much quicker. Is it to do with the shape of human body, with a with a hand, with a wrist, with an arm? I've no idea. But I'm pretty sure now I can see openly. I mean, I'm. Jason, I'm 65 years old now. I don't think my career is going to flop, no matter what I say now. It's kind of all my over. <laughs> but but with the with the with the swan, it's uh, I'm I'm not convinced the swan can be an idiomotor response. Of course it can, but for the greater part, it's not. It's something else. It's somewhere. My description would be that it's somewhere between idiomotor response, suggestibility test, or even just I love the phrase of a direct conduit into the unconscious mind. Yes, I'm very comfortable with that. And most people, most uh, hypnotists will talk about making contact with the subconscious. I don't. I make contact with a part within the subconscious. Mm. And although that's small, that's tiny, for me, the little difference makes a big difference. Yeah. Which even to take that into any part of our process, whether it's the swan, whether it's even regression or parts therapy, but get well, it is a parts therapy variation of getting into that specific part rather than just the entire being. I love that. Yeah, but it's hard to talk, talk. I mean, we go looking for parts, but suddenly when the part turns on and says, hi, my name's Daniel, Daniel Forbes McKenna, and I'm actually her uncle, now we've got something strange going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, wait, but you didn't do a pre-talk and you didn't do uh, depth testing. No, so it's not hypnosis then. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, no, of course not. That's, that's really <laughs> interesting. Yeah, no, I've, but, no I've, got, I've got friends, uh, good friends, uh, friends who I really respect, that will say to me, my problem is I lead. And and I will lead, but I lead by, just because I'm, I've been doing the job for so long, I can't help but leading. But I mm-hmm. try never to lead. I try to pace. I really try to pace. And that's based on just my experience that I want to come back with something. Not just I want to fix them. I want to fix them. But I'd like to get something else out of it. As I say to everyone, no one says you can't have fun in the therapy room. I mean, look what we're doing right now, for God's sake. I didn't know this was going to be an, an auditory thing. I've hired gorilla suit. I'm wearing a gorilla suit right now <laughs> talking to you. I've got my mouth right close to the mouthpiece so you can hear me clearly. There you go. But seriously, seriously though, I want, to, I want to get something out of it. And I want to get something out of it for me. I think it's important that the therapist gets something out of the therapy. It's like healers. If it's not good for the healer, then there's no point in fixing people. You'll get fed up after a while and you'll stop healing. I was said many years ago by a man much wiser than I, but that's a case. That's a case of it. So well, there's, a, there's a concept that I'd, I'd share, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. And if it's the, yes, I agree, or hell no, that's incredibly wrong. Stop saying that. There, there's Let's go back to the conversation of the suggestibility test and, and various trainings. There would be the mindset of, Yes, you can do these things to build expectation. Yes, you can do these things to excite the imagination of the client and warm them up to the process to build rapport. Yet it would often say that you do those things before the, quote, formal hypnosis process because it helps you to decide whether or not to use an authoritative or permissive style with the client. And and I read that even from an early point in my career, and the thought was, 
that's forcing me to profile somebody. That's forcing me to label them. The same as some would say that, oh, you can't use that induction on an engineer or an accountant because, oh, you can't make someone whose life is dependent on numbers to lose the numbers in the Dave Elman induction, which is completely false. You just build the proper context. So instead, it motivated, and this maybe came from the, the theatrical background, about the power of tonality, that we can be authoritatively permissive, and we can be permissively authoritative, that we can give the language, but through the transition of our tonality, guide them to that place, which specifically here, as we're chatting about leading, I, I think that, yes, there are places where let's say in the category of doing hypnotic age regression and quote, if we are following the model of finding a cause to never be leading in the direction of, you know, you're in the room with this person, quote, what are they doing to you? We don't want to do that. Yet there's this point in transition about leading like crazy and leading appropriately that we can permissively lead in such a way that nudges them in the direction of that change. That if it's that softening of whether it's the indirect suggestion or just that hint of tonality, that's going to take something that if we use numbers on this, here's a method that works 60% of the time. But if we fold in this one statement, now it's near 100%, you would be a fool not to lead in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would agree with just about all. We, we could stop now and just discuss what you said for 20, 30 hours, <laughs> because it's simple, but it's complicated, yeah? Yeah. In fact, I wish I had a pen and paper scribbling down things you're saying. I think, yeah, I'll comment. Then you go and say something, you've moved me again. So all of that is pretty, pretty, pretty strong. The, the thing is for me that nothing is absolute. There are no absolutes. Right. And every time I know something, I know that when my three o'clock comes in, it could all change. It could all fall away. It won't work with her for some reason. And back to the authority versus permissive thing. I, I have, again, good friends who are authoritative hypnotists who do therapy. I am not an authoritative hypnotist. I'm a permissive hypnotist. And that's for a reason. And it's for a reason built over many years that I think it's better to be a permissive hypnotist than an authoritative hypnotist. I'm giggling because already I could give myself arguments. But <laughs> 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 across the board, on the whole, in general, my main argument would be, sorry, this is so cheap and we don't have enough time to go into it. <laughs> but my, my main argument would be, in my in my experience, yeah. So instead of what I think, in my experience, if an authoritative hip hypnotist starts off authoritative, the bad guy, the guy that tells you, and it doesn't work, he can't be nice. Now, I know that you'll find exceptions to the rule with that, but guess what, Jason? There are exceptions to the rule, and I can't build a practice with exceptions to the rule. But I've discovered that if I start off permissive, I can I can I can move the world by being permissive. Right. I can move the world by getting the subconscious to believe that, oh my God, this guy gets me. He's not even talking to them. He's talking to me inside there. Jeez, that's not happened with the last guy. With the pinstripe suit and the polka dot tie and the gold watch. He gets me. And but I can change. Remember what I said, an authoritative guy can't change, except unless it's an exception to the rule. But I'm a permissive person, but if, I, if someone's watching me in the therapy room, they might see my 10 o'clock come in, and I'm, I'm expecting them to be fixed, but they're not fixed. It's session two in the part, and say them, whoever I talk to, say that would fix it. So suddenly, this permissive guy punches the table, and they hear me shouting, what part of I promise did you not understand from last week at 10 o'clock? And I watch the person jump. <laughs> oh, a permissive guy can become a monster. It's easy. 
It's absolutely easy. It gives you that range. Absolutely. The range yeah. is right there. We can induce change. But if I come across as a monster and say, well, you know, I'm actually your friend. It doesn't work. It's like the car salesman rubbing his hand slowly and asking if he can help you. It's <laughs> <laughs> not creepy at all, no. No, and it's that... I mean, one of the exceptions is that the transition from permissive to authoritative can be as simple as a shift of language of you may notice this versus and now you are feeling this sensation in your body, mm -hmm. which doesn't have to be the shouting, the banging on the table, though. I'm going to do that today. That sounds like fun. Let's find a way yeah. to fit that into the sessions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story about that in a second. I, well, it's gone. It's some, something to say that's gone. No, I'll, I'll tell you a story first. I was doing a thing in Birmingham couple of months ago and this woman told me a story you're going to Birmingham and I says yes and she says there's a guy I know in Birmingham and she told me the case and the case was about how she went to see him because her words not mine I was fat I went to see this guy and he, he uh, to cut a long story short he told her to F off he used the full F-U-C-K word and he slammed it and he never took any money he just told him F are you you're fat you'll always be fine F off and uh, I'm telling this guy at this table and uh, this guy said to me, this is on a Saturday night, he said, well, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was you. And he, said, and he explained to me, he was, it was a year ago, and he'd left the industry for a while. He, was, he just had enough. And he was going through a really bad time himself. He said, I actually needed therapy, to be honest. But I'm ready to leave. I've got another job. And she came in for my, my, fri my Friday at, at 5 o'clock, and she told him, I'm fat. You'll never be able to help me. I'm just fat. I'll never work. I tried everybody, and you'll be the same. Just, and he stood up and said, look, just F gone. F off gone. You'll, you'll never lose weight. Keep that money. Don't want your money. Slammed the door. And I gave him the news that she went to her husband, who was looking for him, to half kill him. <laughs> but the second part of the news was she'd lost three and a half stone. And he was astounded. We've checked up since then. Yep, she is the woman, and yet he was the therapist. I love these stories that bounce along and they come to us every couple of years or so. He's now thinking of going back and being only a provocative hypnotherapist. Just tell them all to F off and slam the door behind them. He might create miracles, you know? Well, I'll tell you a story of something that I've been doing recently, which... You, I want to move on to this in a couple of moments because you have a strong background also in business and in sales. And this is something that the concept could have been viewed as, quote, a takeaway sale, that the moment where yes. you know, they're haggling over the car and then suddenly, well, if you don't want it, you know, we don't have to sell it to you. Oh, no, no, I want it. And now they're paying full price for the car, mm. which I don't intend the strategy to, to be this. And it's something that I've been doing on the phone, which granted, this is not an every week occurrence for me. It's only been a few times, though the, the side effect of this is they call me back and they end up booking with me. Though everything that I say to this person in this moment, I sincerely mean. And there, there's not a word of subterfuge or influence intended behind it. It's just me being Jason, where I'm on the phone with somebody and I'm hearing the consult for quitting smoking, perhaps, and it's just becoming painfully obvious, to put it politely, it's someone else's goal. It, it's not necessarily their goal yet. There's not really the emotional attachment. And I, I, I tend to be somebody, to quote Michael Elner, the line about the people who screen way, way heavily for that issue, quote, you're only taking the easy ones. You know, mm -hmm. I will work with someone as they are. So it's rare for me to go to the place of, just absolutely saying no. But if when that becomes the obvious case, the line becomes, you know what? This is what you've said. This is what you've presented as I've asked you some questions here. 
And I'll just say it simply, I don't think you're ready to make this change by way of this process. And I'll give them some bullet points about things that they need to be able to say for themselves and absolutely believe. So I'll give them the foot in the door and what the next step is. And the transition becomes, hey, you know what, Bob, you know what, let me take off the Virginia hypnosis hat for a moment and just talk to you person to person. This is something that I just, I sincerely believe between now and when you are ready to eradicate this, this smoking behavior, I mean this sincerely, I want you to enjoy the hell out of it. And mm -hmm. I, I sincerely mean that, you know, there's no point going through life, doing things and playing the game of, I shouldn't be doing this. This is horrible while you're still doing, if you're going to be a smoker, I sincerely mean it, yeah. enjoy the hell out of it. And, yeah. and then when you're ready, give me a call back. Now, the side effect is, of course, I sincerely mean that as a person who struggled with my own weight at one point, and it was the whole eating something and beating myself up mentally while eating it. Yet I have completely ruined that behavior for that person because now they're off and they're staring at that cigarette going, uh, I need to call that guy back. So it, it, it's a sincere statement with a hypnotic side effect but it's that place of, yeah, back to that moment of he maybe had a bit of a temper problem and slammed the table and yelled the wrong words, but to his credit, it worked. Well, we've, we've I mean, after a while, we, uh, we develop a cutting edge, yeah? We develop a cutting edge, and we do, in fact, there's nothing worse than somebody saying, you know what, I'm so skilled now, I just know. I know exactly when to say it. it's just not true. It's never been true for anyone. Or we'd heal the world, and we'd be in opera, and she'd give us 50 million pounds to do so. <laughs> But, you know, across the board, on the whole, in general, we can, we, we, we do pick up things and we do, we do sharpen our cutting edge. And I heard what you said at the beginning. I mean, in my sales work, I was a, I was a night and out salesman, but I truly, truly believed that I was a knight on a white charger. You know, my, my business was financial services and life assurance. And once you get a couple of clients whose funerals you go to and you see what happened because you hammered them that Friday night, you never left till quarter to midnight. And they took out the 150,000 pounds cover, and she's got it in her purse now. You think, wow, I, I, I did that, and so on and so forth. And then we have to learn skills to, 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 but we can't just tell them the truth and say, I love you. Everything I'm saying is honest. Say yes. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. So we have to develop sales skills. We have to learn how to hesitate, how to modulate, how to emphasize. And we develop templates, do we? Not so much scripts. We use the word scripts, but they're more like templates that we can leave and come back to and leave and come back to and job and hook and dance. I mean, it becomes, it really becomes a dance, I guess. It really does. Well, and I know that's a theme that you often talk about as well, about eliminating scripts from our process, recognizing it in terms of templates. Well, the interesting thing, Jason, if you look what I'm going to be doing, because it's funny, I'm doing a, a, a talk at HypnoThoughts on scripts. So my, I'm only doing one talk on the actual thing. It's going to be on scripts. I can't wait to be there. If there's, if there's anybody listening to this, come along, will you? I can't wait to hear what I say. <laughs> <laughs> and this yeah. is actually, again, I mentioned this before, this is actually launching the Thursday prior to HypnoThought's uh, beginning. What day yeah. are you doing that presentation? Well, I'm angry, Jason. I'm angry as hell because you've told me this launches on the Thursday and we've now just finished my one-day workshop. But I'm once that you are. <laughs> and I, I can't remember. It's Let's predict the future a little Sunday. further, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I can't remember. If you can get a chance to edit this and make me sound clever and say, well, it's actually such and such a thing. That would be that would be wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, 
It's, I think it's maybe on the Saturday, but I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, Friday, eight a.m. Scripps and hypnosis. Eight a.m. So that's in the morning. Which eh? for the uh, which for the four or five hundred people who download this on launch day, uh, hey, if you're in Vegas, come join us. We'll hang out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and be. I'll try and be sober. I won't see. be there because I'll be doing a nine a.m. right <laughs> after that. So. Um, yeah, exactly. The wonders of uh, timing and launch cycles and all of that. Though the the basic the, the thought I'd share is that in terms of scripts, I think that yes, we lean heavily on this little catchphrase of "be a hypnotist, not a scriptnotist." Though I love your your phrasing of uh, templates. My my mindset is that of the of all things, the comedian doing crowd work, and they look like the improvisational genius the moment That's they cool. turn to somebody and go, "Oh, you're a lawyer," and they rattle off ten minutes of lawyer jokes. When you follow them over to the next country, the next city, and they meet another lawyer, and damn if it's not the same jokes once again. <laughs> and why? Why would it not be? Right. Oh, if it works, why would you not do it again? I mean, there's a there's a there's a saying in magic, Jason. Perhaps you've maybe even heard of this one: that the amateur knows a thousand tricks, and the professional knows three. So it's a strongly exaggerated statement, of course. Yeah. But you get the point. The working pro can take three items and do a 45-minute gig with that and travel the world, yeah? Well, I'd share, I, I took that statement, which was, was that Animan? Or I always, I forget I the references. I can't remember, I can't remember. The way that I remember it is the uh, the amateur changes his act, the professional changes his audience. Yeah. Which is honestly the moment where I went from hosting a local meetup to doing this exact program that we're now doing, mm -hmm. because it was, I love my local meetup, I still continue to do it, but it's a moment of, wow, same 30 people that were here last month. Hmm. Yeah. Let, let's expand that reach. Let's expand that outwards. But it's that place of, again, recognizing the, the flexible structure inside of it, which if I know, let's go back to the smoker, you are in front of me, and yes, you are ready to make this change. Mm -hmm. However, the conscious motivation of why you're in my office tomorrow at 12 noon is because the wife is now pregnant and uh, it's now real. You know, mm -hmm. back to the comedian. Oh, I got six minutes on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Recognizing that flexible structure. Would would you say that having a flexible structure gives you greater creativity inside of the process? Well, that's all I do, really. After, and my only challenge with mentoring people for two full days is that they'll suss me by the morning of the second day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, and, but, but I want them to. I want to give them something. That they, they, they look at it and go, oh, shit, he's, he's doing this again. And it's working. They're getting emotional. The hand's lifting into the air. And the, the guy that just came back, he's, he's, he's told them they're as good as fixed. It's a, it's a closing session, this one, so on and so forth. I'll tell you what, Jason, it goes back to 1978. Talk about that. 1978, I worked for an American company called Combined International. And it was owned by a man called William Clement Stone, who wrote The Success System That Never Fails. He was, he was a friend of Carnegie's and all these guys. And we were told the deal was at the end of the second week, we had to learn this script. It was a 10-minute script. We had to learn it. And if we didn't learn it, Jason, we didn't get to go home. We had to, we had to stay in this place called Bradford, where you just go curry, morning, afternoon, and night. This very curries. So we were desperate to go home. And I went in, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't think of my name. It was dreadful. And the guy said, what's wrong with you? You've been great for two weeks. And I said, I'm just nervous. I'm, just, I'm nervous because I know that if I don't get this right, I don't, I don't get to go home and I'm, I miss my face. He said, forget that. We lied. I said, you lied? Yeah, we lied. You're going home. We already know you're good. I said, why would you lie? He said, because, you, you know, you're, 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 you're young people. You'll be out there every night meeting members of the opposite sex, getting drunk. So we lied to you. 
So you stay in the hotel and you study every night. But at this point, Jason, I just want to headbutt him. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really hungry now. So I, I mess it up even more. So I have another go and I still don't get it right. And he says, look, I need to tell you a story. And the story he told me was that once upon a time there were three bears, daddy bear, a mummy bear, a baby bear, and they went for a walk uh, from their home at the end of the, the edge of the forest. And while they were gone, this girl came along and she had long blonde hair. And I'm getting angrier and angrier because I know he's telling me the story of Goldilocks. <laughs> and I'm, I'm filling my, my pocket, my, my, my knuckles are white. And it's, when she comes in, she's got blonde hair. Actually, it's golden. She had cut, actually, it wasn't a lock. It was, it was, it was goldy locks. And she went upstairs and tried the beds again. And she went into the kitchen and there were three bowls of cornflakes. And that's when I said, porridge. And he said, I beg your pardon. I said, it wasn't, it wasn't bowls of cornflakes, it was bowls of porridge. And he says, how do you know? I said, because I've heard the story before. And he said, excuse my, my language here. He said, that's right, you stupid bastard. It was porridge. And you have heard the story before. But those people out there have never heard the story before. They don't care what you say. All you need is a template. You don't have to get the story right. But you need to be good on the template. And I wanted to hug him. I felt, oh my God, I'm going, to, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. Well, it's 38 years later now, and I teach Goldilocks at every workshop I do. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. No, it's a challenge that popped up in a certification class that I just wrapped up doing it just a few weeks ago where, and he's likely listening to this and hear it again. It's a moment where someone comes in. I, I teach mostly at a weekend format, being in the Washington, D.C. area, it's Easy to fill, easier to fill a class in a weekend format, and I just do like a straight through a couple of times a year. And it's this one person who was struggling a bit during the training, and despite the things that I've said, I, I, I have to lean on the statement that we can give the right suggestions, yet oftentimes someone still has to choose to listen. That I'm telling these stories, I'm getting into the literal nature of, no, I don't need you to go off and memorize these words from my book. Mm-hmm. And he comes in frustrated a few weeks later. I was only able to memorize the first uh, third of this process. It's like, I no. <laughs> as yeah. long as we understand the template, as long as we understand the flexibility of what yeah. are the points we need to hit. But again, even back to, I love that they walk into your office and immediately the hand is up in the swan position. You're immediately into that experience, which again, I, I'm actually seeing... There's a young girl that I worked with years ago that had a fear that the way her parents described it, most parents would dream their daughter would have this fear, which was that she wouldn't go near a television. And from your magic background, maybe you know uh, the magician creator, he does things for David Copperfield, Kevin James? Yes, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, uh, and look this up on YouTube. Kevin James does a saw-in-half illusion without a box. There's someone running around on stage and suddenly Kevin's holding a chainsaw and he turns in the wrong direction and the bottom half of the body and the top half of the body are now running around the stage chasing yeah, each other. It's a, it's a wonderful act. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Yet this little six-year-old girl sees that, scares the hell out of her, and now she won't go near a television. And so she's in my office and I've got a crazy computer tech set up here off in the corner with two monitors and oddly enough here with two monitors and a laptop in front of me. And she's seeing that having gone through with a psychologist systematic desensitization where they're watching magic videos over and over and over, gradually getting more and more terrified of screens. And to put it simply, the process would not begin with her unless I crawled under my desk and unplugged the entire computer. 
<laughs> and the magic statement was something that's now planted its seed in my process ever since then of just, quote, we do things differently here. Yeah. And to be in that mindset, which I love back to something you said before, let me throw this out there, see what happens. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, yeah, I'll fix it. Yeah, yeah. Which the more I interact with people, the more I find the successful hypnotist is the one getting to that place of let me play and see what happens. So this this is a question that might be specific about the swan, though I think it has implications far beyond just this one strategy. To go back to yourself when you first encountered hypnosis, what advice, what guidance would you give yourself at that at that earlier point? If you had to start all over again, basically. Oh, that's that's easy. I get asked this a lot, and it would be to find a mentor. Absolutely, I totally, completely trusted, and I'd ask my mentor to let me stay with him long enough to see I'm failing. I'd want to see what he does when he gets it wrong, and uh, that's so. I I think I'm probably one of the few people that uh, when I do mentoring. They don't come to see me and we spend a day with me telling the stories of what I've done. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can pick up some great stuff from that. But they come to work with me for two days. And they sit here and they watch me succeed. And they see how wonderful I am. And they see, they see me fail. <laughs> yeah. fail. And they see when I do when I fail. See, I find I, I get more out of, of failure. And people, people say, there's a saying right there, is it? There's no failure, there's only feedback. We all know that. But I, but I get that. I understand that. So I, I was lucky. I had a mentor, and I, I went to see the mentor, and I saw my mentor flop horrendously, but but not stop. He just just wouldn't stop. He just went on and on and on and on. And I showed what we, this wonderful word is. It? I think it's mainly used by American salesmen more than people in Europe. The rebuttal, the power of the rebuttal. So you've screwed up. They've hammered you with something, but you have these rebuttals. The, the rebuttals come from everywhere. That's okay. That's okay. A lot of people tell me yet. Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is that it always seems to work. And when there's nothing to achieve by not doing something, everything to achieve by doing something, it makes sense to at least try it. Wouldn't that be true? That's right. Put your hand like this. Boom. But into the swan. <laughs> what? There's somebody that says, I don't like hypnosis. You know, anything. So I'm just, I'm riddled with rebuttals. And if I was starting again, that young person at the start, because I didn't have that to begin with, I would say, go, go look for one now. I say that to everyone. Go and find a mentor, somebody who can really show you. Not, 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 not somebody who will take the, the big fee off you, somebody who's really interested in you and are willing to stay with you for a couple of years. That would, that would just be it for me. And I, I have to share that in more than 70-plus recordings of this program, this is the first time that theme has really popped up of finding that conduit, finding that mechanism to get that, that feedback loop going. So someone's in front of you, because uh, I, do, I do consulting, I do, uh, whether it's for the hypno hypnosis technique side, or a lot of it I do, of course, is for the business side, getting into, into the specifics of, you know, going through websites, crafting the phone process, getting people out in the community. But then, you know, that turns into, hey, I've got a gymnast coming in. What do you think for that? Someone's in front of you for that mentorship process. What would you say is often, let's go to their motivation first. What would be a good reason why someone would need to reach out and find someone to help guide their process? Well, uh, I, I have a very brave line I use when I'm doing workshops. I tell everyone that the reason why you're here, some of you will either admit this to me or you won't. And I expect you won't, by the way, but don't worry about it. You're here because you're either A, unhappy with the work that you do, that you do how you've been taught up to now, or B, you don't have enough confidence in the therapy room or see both of these things. And before the end of the day, the vast majority will come up to me 
and say, yeah, that's exactly why I'm here. So I know this to be the case. And the reason why I first started saying that is not because I'm wise, it's because they've been telling me that for years beforehand. So I get some really good names, some some really people who've been really trained, lots of, they've, they've spent thousands, they've spent thousands, but they don't have enough confidence in what they do in the therapy room, and they don't have enough confidence in themselves. It will always be either one of these two or both, always. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's the experience of the way that I first heard this metaphor was go to a movie studio and uh, find the cafeteria and climb up on a table and just shout out, okay, all the phonies, you have to go home now and you'll clear the room. And it's not just an artistic, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not just an artistic environment. The line was even go into a courtroom and uh, assuming you don't get cuffed and uh, thrown uh, <laughs> thrown in the pokey in that moment, y yeah. you might clear out the judge. You might clear out the lawyers. That I mean, there's a whole there's a whole previous podcast session I did on just quote what's called imposter syndrome. That you know we find ourselves in that pattern of am I good enough? Am I ready enough? And sometimes we do just need that pat on the back that we do know enough to jump in, but it's. It's how even inside of a training, I tell the group that, you know, this has been education. The real training is getting out there and doing this stuff, dealing yeah. with what emerges as you're working with your clients. Yeah. I mean, I had, a, I had a, a really great mentor. His name is John Copeland. This was in sales, by the way. And one, one day, it was this, the first day I was with him, he says, what do you really want to be? And I said, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't think of an answer, to be honest with you. So I, I gave that old favor. I said, you know, I just, I just want to be happy. And he reached forward and he tickled me under my left arm. <laughs> and, and I giggled. He says, so is that us for the day? Can we go home now? And I felt stupid. Quite rightly so. What an idiot. He was this great mentor asking me, what would I like? I just want to be happy. So then John got me to, he would take me into coffees, get me to stand on a table and sing zippity doodah, followed by my bonnie lies over the ocean. And people would join in and clap hands with me when I did this, red-faced and sweating. But later on that day or that evening, when I'm trying to close the pension deal in the afternoon or a, on a home visit, when these people were telling me no, thinking they could maybe do something to harm my armor, they had no idea that I've spent a day standing on top of tables singing zippity doo dah to strangers. I have an impregnable bubble, mister. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing gets through my bubble. So he would, he would get me to practice on this confidence thing. And John's now in his late 70s, and he was, just the, he was just a great, great mentor. He did the business with me, but he did other stuff, as he would call it. He said the stuff is important, and the stuff really is important. I love it. I love it. So then how do you spend uh, – let's kind of get into the, uh, the nuts and bolts here. How do you spend most of your time these days? Is it mostly in training? Is it mostly seeing clients? No, I'm a therapist. I do. I work all, all the way through the week, Monday to Friday. I have one day, which is a free day for people with pain who can't afford. That's a chronic day. I get lots of doctor referrals for them anyway. And I've got the deal is if they can afford it, they pay me. If they can't, uh, chronic pain is 50% anyway, whether they're rich or poor. And if they tell me they can't afford it, I do the, I do the work. I don't do any stuff. So I'm a full-time therapist, but I do workshops. I think, uh, I mean, this, for example, next month I'll be in Miami, then Vegas, then Australia, Dubai, Belgium, London, and that'll be me for the year. And that's too much for me. It's far too much for me. So normally every second month, maybe I only want to do about six or seven or eight tops a, a year. Mm -hmm. But I'm mainly a therapist, yeah. Yeah, which again, it's that mindset of someone being a worker. 
someone who's actually doing the work and that feedback. Would you say that, how many years would you say you've been on the training side of it? On the training side of it, on the training side of hypnosis yes. in itself, yeah? Hypnosis in itself, on the training side of it, I've only been doing this for on the training side of it for no more than six or seven years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from that, how would you say the trainings have morphed? Because, I mean, your style has clearly changed over the years, as you've referenced. Though I'm curious, on the training side, if there's a different approach in terms of what you've seen it really takes to get someone from, as I like to say, at the point of curiosity to the point of action. And you know what? It's funny you, you ask that question. It's a great question. And I was thinking of a, a lady called Camilla Edborg, a good friend of mine from Sweden. She's a great therapist. And I did some work there about mm, five years ago, maybe. And uh, and I, I was thinking of her just yesterday, and I was thinking of a conversation we may have when we meet soon. And in that conversation, I was going to be saying to her, you know what, you have no idea how I work today. That workshop I did in Sweden is completely, I feel like going back and give them, giving them all the workshop again <laughs> for free, absolutely for free. So and it's and I could I could open my mouth and say something and you know what what I say in itself wouldn't be as important as simply this stuff just happens we pick up a line we pick up an aha we pick up a moment we pick up a eureka yeah we scribble them down they become parts of our new inner scripts if you like we don't have to say them but they are another arrow for the quiver yeah and if we've got enough sense to write them down, we can share them with people. But I tell you, I tell you honestly, Jason, I mean, this, this blows people apart. It's not my words. I got it from a guy. I'm, you know what? I think it was Zig Ziglar back in the 60s. I heard this in 1978, and I've been using it ever since, and it's absolutely true. When I, when I go before people, and even when they come here for mentoring, but when I open up a workshop, I tell them I'm going to give you everything. My job is to take everything I own and squeeze it as hard as I can over the next two days and treat you as if you're my very best friend. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to teach you everything. And back to Zig Ziglar all that time ago when one of his friends says to him, Zig, what the hell are you doing? You're giving these people everything. These are your these are your competitors. And the story is that Zig Ziglar just kind of shrugged and says, yeah, but they'll never use it. Mm. Beautiful line. That's my findings. I, I swear to you. I tell people that now. They look at me as if I'm an idiot. But you know what happens? I see people two, three years after they've been to my workshop, have been mentored by me, and I say, hey, are you using whatever it is? Are you using the uh, the claps, the escapade, the through the sea? Are you using it? And I'll mention it to them, and, and they'll, this is how they'll answer. Yeah, I am, Bob. I am. But you know what? I've made it better. I've done something to it. It's just, well, I've done something else. And I say, well, how many people are you seeing a week now? Still seeing about two, three people a week. In other words, they haven't done anything to it. They're not using the stuff. They're not following the activity plans. But you already know this because that's what you do. Your main motive, well, how dare I tell you what your main thing is, but you do a lot of showing people how to get activity knowledge yeah, and know-how. That's really the secrets. That's the two secrets for me, activity knowledge and know-how, how to see the people, see the people, see the people. That's what they're not doing. Yeah. I want to really stress how amazing of a takeaway that was, that – I, I, the mindset that people would run into that, yeah, I, I, on the business side of like through hypnotic business systems and the trainings that I do on that, there's always this fear of as I'm coaching people and saying, you know, produce content, produce information that people will interact with to build rapport with you. I mean, hey, we're 
doing content here right now mm -hmm. and it will serve both you and i at some point down the line and also just doing it because hell it makes me happy and uh you didn't have to tickle me for that though so, <laughs> the, the the phrasing the fear of i can't i can't publish something on that i can't do a video on that i'll i'll, I'll instruct a hypnotist to say you know, put together like a five or six minute hypnosis recording and put it up on your website as an opt-in, build your mailing list. And well, no, if they have that, they won't come into my office, which from a training aspect, I've even, when I've hosted other hypnotists, they, they've come in and I've had someone come to me and go, I can't believe he or she is teaching us all this stuff. Everyone's going to take their content. And my strategy is that I position myself as the hypnosis business guinea pig. I am only teaching the things I have actually done. And I've had people go, I can't believe you're showing the stuff you're actually doing now. And yeah. when, it's, when it's quoted without the tonality, this could come across as being extremely arrogant, which is the, I show you exactly what I'm doing because you can't do it the way exactly that I do it. Yes. Because you shouldn't. Because it's my style, it's my approach, it's the, well, I'll come after you if you're sending out the video of, uh, you know, of uh, me and my three-month-old three daughter doing an instant induction. Yeah, that doesn't count. But it's the whole, you can't do it exactly the way that I do it. So it's our position as the instructor, whether it's you, whether it's Zig Ziglar, as my phrasing is, to show you the insane level of detail and thinking behind the why of what we do. And then that allows you to choose for yourself what elements are important for you to model. Absolutely. So, so what I do, if I was watching you right now, Jason, and I thought you were pretty good, with my experience, I'd be smiling and scribbling down that I've recognized what you're doing. So that would be the first one I'd write down. Oh, my God, I've just recognized what this guy Lynette has done. That was just great. Then I'd write down, no, I need to relate to it. Because I'm different from him. I'm a different size. I smile a different way. I have a different accent. He punches here and I prefer to punch there. Then I might say, no, I need to assimilate. I need to find a way to make similar what he does because he's getting a result. I won't get a result unless I make similar. And after that, I need to actionize. So I need to recognize, relate, assimilate, and actionize. With these things happening, there's a great chance I can get the good result because a good idea doesn't care who uses it. But I need to be that good. I think it was John Chase who once said, I, I liked it. He said, I can teach you the skills, but I cannot teach you the talent. You have to bring that with you. It's a beautiful line. He probably stole it from somebody else. Listen <laughs> to this, is he? Oh, my God. Hey, he's been on here. He's been on here. And he's joking. a lovely guy. I, I cracked the joke. I uh, I got him on here so I could finally advertise inside of his Facebook group. But no. <laughs> well, you know what? This is I got this, I got this gorilla suit from from John, and it's tight as hell. I'm gripping with sweat. It's a nightmare. This uh, suit that I'm wearing right now. It's... Well, the pink is a nice touch. The video feed is accidentally <laughs> on, so I got to put a piece of tape. Was it Mark Zuckerberg? The, the photo of him in the Facebook offices with a piece of. Uh, duct tape over the camera of his lens is like oh that's right he's paranoid just like the rest of us <laughs> i love it i love it. this has been fantastic and you've got the website lifelinehypnotherapy.com where else can people find you online how can they interact with you well they can hit me through facebook uh, remember i have a i have a forum called the swan therapy uh, the hypnosis swan forum if anyone contacts me we invite anyone to come in there we it's mainly for talking about the swan itself and as you said, what I mainly do is I, I sell my Swan DVDs online. I mainly work as a therapist, but I do workshops. So I'll go anywhere in the world as long as it, as long as it wipes its face because it's such a, a great thing to do, a wonderful honor to do. I also do mentoring on Skype sessions. And like I said, 
I mentor here in Montrose. People come across here, they come up to my place, they spend a couple of days with me, and they get to come to work with me and see what happens there. So I'm I'm fairly fairly easy contactable either through Lifeline or uh, online. Or here's my uh, my private email. It's uh, Bob Burns, the numeral seven at aol.com if anybody ever wants to drop me a, an email. That, that's the best one to get directly through to me, Jason. So that's just my name, Bob Burns, the numeral seven, bobburns7 at aol.com. And for the folks who like instant gratification, the subscribers of this podcast, you're likely hearing this on Thursday and tomorrow morning launches the uh, HypnoThoughts Live convention at 8 a.m. That's the scripts and hypnosis, though. Again, let me give a strong, strong plug here. And I get I get no kickback on this yet now uh, for the Swan DVD, which is this beautifully produced program of this entire Again, hitting all the points of idiomotor, suggestibility, direct conduit to the part of the mind. It's a fascinating thing that, and it's something that honestly, as I learned it from from that product first, it's something that as I've made use of it with clients, it just always gets this unique response and it always builds the I would say just the right tone for, again, we do things differently and just getting that process in motion and really in a, in a spectacular way, just tapping into that unconscious potential and seeing, oh, wait, I can change things up. And uh, I'll give the direct reference here, lifelinehypnotherapy.com. On the page, click online shop. It's the first thing to get access to that. And it is it is outstanding. I love it. It's why we're chatting here. Great, Jason. Thanks for that. Awesome. I'd say I'll see you soon, but uh, as this launches, I'll see you in the morning. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow morning. I'll try and get football. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Jason Lynette here, and thank you once again for interacting with this program. And I'd encourage you to do a couple of things. First of all, as you enjoy this program, Share it with somebody else in the hypnosis profession. In fact, we've made it very easy. When you're over at the Work Smart Hypnosis page, you can head over to any of the podcast pages, and there's a cool little floating graphic that appears that makes it really, really easy to share this on Facebook, on Twitter, or any of the social media platforms. As you find value in this program, so will many other hypnotists as well. And we get several thousand downloads per each and every session, though again, it's your downloads, it's your support that helps us out. I'd also encourage you, if you have not done this yet, head over to Hypnotic Workers. Dot com. Rather than being a bunch of whole individual products that are all about learn this technique and that technique, I decided to open up the floodgates and give you access to everything. You could travel and train with me live and in person and book a hotel and go through all those expenses and drop more than $2,000 on a live course, which I'm still doing those. I'd love to have you join me. Though you get the full user experience in the comfort of your own home and your own office. And this comes to you at a low investment. You can get started today for just $47. To learn more, watch some videos, and interact with this content, head over to hypnoticworkers.com, learn all about this program, get started today with an amazing no-risk offer. That's hypnoticworkers.com. I'll see you soon.